The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Let me tell you something, kid. Everybody gets one chance to do something great. Most people never take the chance, either because they're too scared or they don't recognize it when it spits on their shoes. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Get In Loser. We're starting a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody. We're back, finally. Uh, We had a little uh, unforeseen consequence or circumstances there at the beginning. We probably took a Christmas break on you guys. Yeah, I had uh, I had a little COVID scare. I, was, I came into contact with somebody, so just uh, keep it safe for everybody. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to risk coming here, and then if I did have it, end up spreading it throughout the whole studio. So as much as it pissed me off that I had to, we decided to just you know take another week just so I can get through the grace period. And thankfully, I'm good. I didn't have it. I didn't spread it to anybody. So you know, now we're back. First episode of 2022, and we got a good one for you. Coming right out the gate with a movie breakdown. What? A movie breakdown at the beginning? One of my favorite movies. Holds a special place in my heart. I've got a very personal connection to it. So, uh, that's what, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get into it. Uh, you know, I got a little information. Some stuff that not a lot of people know about the movie. You know, we'll give you... Fun facts. Yeah, we'll just basically we're just gonna. It's just gonna be a movie discussion. Basically, we're gonna talk about the movie. You know, we're gonna talk about you know ways we relate to the movie stuff like that. Uh, we're gonna talk very little about the two fucking terrible sequels because I watched both of them once and refused to ever watch them again because they're so bad. But if we're gonna tell this story correctly, we have to at least talk about them. So we will talk about them. It's just I'm not gonna spend a lot of the episode on them. Yeah, well, uh, Sean, are we going to do, like, the rankings now or later? Uh, let's do it now. No, let's wait a little bit. All right. Yeah, All let's right. wait. Let's let's get into it for a little bit. Uh, but before we get, before we start talking about it, and before, you know, we drop the bomb on you guys of what this whole episode's going to be about, I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to take a second aside real quick to, uh, unfortunately, send R.I.P. to, uh, to a girl I grew up with, Haley Freen. She was uh she's part of my my eighty seventh crew. And anybody who's listened to this podcast since day one, you know that the eighty seventh days are my glory days, and I talk about them constantly. And uh, unfortunately, we lost Haley here at the beginning of the year. Yo, um, yeah, we're gonna take a moment of silence. We we'll be right back. Yeah. Shout out to Haley, man. You know, I hope I hope you uh hope you found peace on the other side. I don't know the details and I'm not going to ask because it's none of my business. Uh cuz unfortunately we drifted. Uh you know, we left we left 87th and the only one I stayed in contact with was Henry. 
So, Sean, was uh, Haley one of the girls that got in a fight in front of Henry's yard? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Haley was kind of, I don't know. Like, Haley was always kind of one of the guys, honestly. She kind of just, like, hung out with me and Henry, you know? Like, me and Henry were. It was, like, I don't know. It's, like, hard to explain. There was, like, the girls that, like, I would go after, you know what I mean? On 87th and the girls I wouldn't. Haley was one of the girls I wouldn't. Mainly because she was dating Henry. I was, like, Henry's, like, first girlfriend. And Henry was, like, my best friend at the time. But, yeah, I just... Before we got deep into anything, I just wanted to get that sad news out of the way, you know? Give a shout-out to her family and friends, if anybody even listened to this. You know, Haley's one of the good ones. Only upside of, you know, crossing over now is... You know, there's a couple others from back in the 87th days that are already up there, so I'm sure they welcomed her with open arms. So, you know, I'll see you fools at the pearly gates when I make my way up. But now, now we got that out of the way, let's get into the exciting news, the happy shit. Let's start breaking this movie down, and this movie is the one and only The Sandlot. Yeah, baby. Sandlot. Came out April 7, 1993. I think Sean was only like one and a half years old in that time. One and three quarters, kind of. Yeah, so obviously I didn't, I didn't, uh, I wasn't put onto this movie until much, much later. Uh, I don't, I didn't even see it in theaters. I seen it on, uh, VHS. That's how old, that's, you know, how old this movie is. But, I mean, I remember. Literally, I'm not even joking. I'm not kidding you guys. I remember the first time watching this movie, I was hooked. I loved it. I loved everything about it. Because, you know, I mean, when I grew up, when I was that young, I didn't really have a lot of friends. I was a very shy kid. So I didn't have a ton of friends, you know. So, like I've said on this podcast many times before, movies were like my outlet. They were like my way of, you know, movies were my friends, basically. Even though that sounds very sad and depressing out loud. (laughs) But that's why I connected with movies like The Goonies and The Sandlot, you know, because I was like, oh, look, at there's these group of friends. Like, I wish that was me. Thankfully, years later in, like, my teenage years, I was able to experience some stuff like that. But, yeah, man, Sandlot, it's a fucking great flick. Like Drew said, it came out April 7th, 1993. Uh, the budget for the film when it was first made was about seven mil. And at the end of its box office run, they made about 34.3 mil, which is pretty solid run. I mean, oh, yeah. it's not like Avengers numbers, but... Or Spider-Man. But, you know, that's... I mean, for a movie like that, that's that's a pretty decent run. Uh, it was uh, it was directed by Mickey David Evans, who also narrated the film. And he played... He did the voice for uh, older Scotty Smalls. And then, uh, you know, let's break it down. Let's talk about this cast a little bit, man. Young cast, you know. Uh, started off with Tom... I'm, I'm going to butcher a bunch of these names. I'm calling it right now. Uh, Tom Gary, Gary, uh, who played our titular hero, Scotty Smalls. The shy little, you know, nerd brainiac who moved... To the Los Angeles suburbs with his mother and his stepfather, Bill. And, uh, you know, didn't have any friends. He moved there two weeks before school let out for summer. He didn't have any friends. He didn't know anybody. And, oh yeah, go ahead. And the year, it was in the summer of 62. Yeah, summer of 1962. And then, 
you know, when the movie starts, you know, we see Scotty un, unpacking some of the stuff from the moving truck. And that's when, you know, we see Benny walk by, who happens to be Scotty's neighbor. Benny, played by Mike Vitar. And, you know, and they, throughout the movie, they quickly become, I mean, this movie starts off pretty fast. I mean, it's not much longer after this when Scotty's sneaking away to the sandlot and then he sees all these guys playing and then, you know, gets hit with a ball and then tries to throw the ball back to him and realizes he can't play shit because he doesn't know any sports. Hey, uh, Sean, uh, Benny's uh, full name is Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez. I know. Because if if you all know, Sean's heavy into uh, American history, 4th of July. It's just like a common... I, I never really realized until I watched the movie last night. I was like, wait, Benjamin Franklin? Yeah. Yeah, and then... Uh, I don't want... All right, well, let's just... Let's get to the rest of the cast. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Start talking about the actual movie. But uh, then we got, you know, Hamilton Porter... The lovable fat kid, which every movie back then had one of them. They all had a lovable fat kid. And we have Hamilton Porter. His friends call him Ham. Played by the great Patrick Renna. Patrick Renna also played in uh, Big Green. Yep, also played in the Big... Him and Chauncey Lepardi, who plays Squints, they also... Both of them played in the Big Green together. Well, Squints played in Big Green? Yeah. He was his friend, the one that had the glasses. That was Squints. Uh, I, I never do that. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then, you know, we got Squints, Michael Squints Pelladoris, and then, you know, yeah, played by Chauncey Lepardi. Chauncey Lepardi. Uh, he's a beast. Uh, then we have Yeah, Yeah. Well, a lot of these guys got long-ass names, man, all right? So I just copied their nicknames because I didn't want to deal with a full name. But then we have Yeah, Yeah, played by Marty York. Uh... Fun fact for you guys, when the movie was originally casted, the kid who plays Yeah Yeah, they originally casted him to play Bertram. And the kid who plays Bertram was originally casted as Yeah Yeah. And literally the day of filming, like the the first day of filming, they ended up changing it because they said as soon as they started making the movie, it was clear that, you know, those characters, their roles needed to be switched. And then we have... Uh, the The Thompson brothers... Well, all right, hold on, man. I got a list here, okay? You're messing up my list. We have De Nunez, played by Brandon Quinn Adams. Uh, you know, that's the heater. I, I, I De Nunez Nunez is the heater. Are you talking Nunez, the, uh, the black kid? Yeah, he's the... Come on, Drew. There's a lot better ways to have said that. He's the pitcher. Oh, the pitcher? Yeah. He's he, the one that says, uh, here's my heater. He he was also in the Money Ducks franchise. Yeah, and so was... uh. So was uh, Benny, Benny the Jet. He was also in the Mighty Ducks franchise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he played the kid who couldn't stop, oh, dude. who couldn't break. Yeah. Yo, Sean, we should, have, we should have to do that. Oh, yeah, we'll do that. That'll come up at some point. Then we have uh, Bertram Weeks, played by Grant Gelt, who, like I said, was originally cast as Yeah, Yeah. And then we have Timmy Timmons, played by Victor DiMatti, the Amadia, or whatever. Who fuck? Who cares? Uh, then we have Tommy Repeat Timmons, played by Shane Obadinsky, and they call him Repeat because he literally repeats everything his brother says. That was too funny. 
And then uh, we have, you know, small uh, Scotty Small's mother, played by Karen Allen, who, like I was telling Drew, was also in the Indiana Jones Legend of the Crystal Skull. She was in Animal House. She was in a couple other things. She's a pretty good actress. Uh, then we have a stepdad, Bill, played by Dennis Leary, who, if you don't know who Dennis Leary is, I don't know what to tell you. It's pretty self-explanatory. He's pretty great. Then, probably the greatest cat, probably the greatest cast member in this entire movie, we got mean old Mister Myrtle, played by the the man, the myth, the legend, James Earl Jones, known as Dark Vader, and also Mufasa. Oh God! So I mean, right there, just those two, right there. That guy's got a killer yeah, cat. You know, that guy's got a killer record. You know, speaking of uh, James Earl Jones, if you could have, I, I know this is going to be off topic. You can have him, Morgan Freeman, Denzel Washington, uh, something else. Who we want in their regular life? I don't know. I feel like I feel like I'd have to mix it up between Morgan Freeman and James Earl Jones. I feel like James Earl Jones would do great for like the darker parts of my life, and then Morgan Freeman would do great for everything else. Because James Earl Jones, he's got that thick, like dark kind of voice. Which has made him such a great voice for Vader. And then, uh, you know, the ever sexy, one of my very first crushes ever, the lifeguard herself, Wendy Peppercorn, played by the still, to this day, stunningly beautiful Marley Shelton, who is still on my crush list because she's still just as hot as she was back then. And then rounding out the cast, we have the Babe, played by the great Art LaFleur. R.I.P. Art is one of the things we lost in 2021, unfortunately. He has a great, he has a stellar fucking record, too. He played, uh, he was in that movie Man of the House. Man of the House with, uh, tell his name, uh, dude who plays Kirk Giswold. What's his name? Um, I can't think of his name right now. It slipped my mind. Me, uh... Shit, me too. You say Clark Griswold? Yeah. Uh, Chevy Chase. Chubb- yeah, he's in that movie with Chevy Chase. One where they like joined the like father and son scout thing. He was in that movie. He was also in. Uh, he was also in The Replacements, one of my other favorite movies. They're a great flick. Yeah, man, Art LaFleur is the man. Love that guy. But yeah, uh, if you've lived under. A rock your entire life, and you don't know what the Sandlot is. Uh, like are, Drew said, are we uh, getting like a spoiler, or is it too late now? Drew, this movie came out in '93. If you haven't seen it by now, then you're shit out of luck. <laughs> Basically, like Drew said, it's set in the summer of 1962. Uh, Brainy reserved fifth grader Scotty Smalls moves with his parents to the Los Angeles suburbs. Where he has difficulty making friends, which I already said. Uh, and that's when he's taken under the wing of Benny, a youthful youthful baseball wonder, and his unwar- unruly group. They teach him how to play baseball, and in return, Smalls gets them into the biggest pickle any of them had ever experienced. When he swipes a rare baseball signed by Babe Ruth from his stepdad, and they knock it over the fence of Mr. Myrtle, who is said to have a giant beast of a dog that'll eat any children who dare step foot in his yard. Or at least that's what the legend says. 
So they spend their summer coming up with ways to try and get this ball back and live to tell the tale. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, they, I, they get, it doesn't take long. They get pretty quick and everything. I think there's only about like 10 minutes into the movie before we finally, before like Benny and, or no, maybe like 20 minutes. Before, like, Benny and Scotty have their first, like, interaction where they actually, like, talk to each other. Because Benny sees... Well, anyways, yeah. Oh, I don't want... Oh, wait. Hold on. I skipped something. Uh, basically, uh, like, beginning of the movie, Scotty has, like, this conversation with his mother about how he can't make friends because he's not good at anything. And, she, you know, she tells him to go out and play some sports. And then in the morning, it transitions into his mom trying to get him to convince his stepdad, Bill, to teach him how to catch and throw a baseball. So that's when it leads into the scene of them trying to do that. And I know Drew's got a little story he wants to tell you guys about, you know, something similar of that nature. So go ahead, Drew. Yeah, um, it's pretty much uh, Smalls got hit in the eye, got a nice black eye. It happened to me when I was younger, playing catch with my uncle. Uh... I wasn't really uh, – luckily I had the glove there. If I didn't, my, I think my eye socket would probably busted out. Then as soon as that happens, we went inside because we were playing Sega. Uh, NHL 94, he's like, all right, I'm going to take the goalie. I'm going to let you win this time. Don't, don't tell you that. Don't tell you that. As soon as my head came over, <laughs> like, ooh, that was a rough time. But, yeah, anyways, you know, Scotty gets popped in the eye with a baseball by his dad, by his stepdad. And then you know it. Then we see Scotty sit on his front porch, or well, his little his front steps, and that's when Benny walks by and says, "Hey, man!" Like invites him to the sandlot to come play ball with them. And Scotty's like, "Oh, you know, I can't. I'm I'm shitty at sports." Uh, he doesn't say shitty, obviously, but I'm just giving you guys like a brief little history of like the big moments. But. Or then he tells him, oh, I, I don't have a baseball glove, so I can't come. And Benny's like, well, guess what, fucker? I got a way out of that. I got an extra one. Take this shit. Let's get out of here. And then we see the kids, the rest of the Sandlot crew, outside of Vincent's Drugstore, which is their local store. Everybody had a local store. At 87th, we had McLeod's Drugstore, where we used to have a lady that worked in there who used to yell at me and Henry all the time for being little assholes. Make them that old little lady. No, it was a, it was a older lady. She was like she was like the mother of some girl I went to school with, and she knew that we were all little assholes. She used to she was nice though. She used to try and look out for us. But uh, yeah, it shows them outside. You know, Babe, their Hamilton Porter, is doing tries to do his little impression of the Babe, puts one of them gummy cigars in his mouth, and he's like, "I'm a great Hambino," and all the kids are like, "What?" And he's like, "I'm a great Hambino," or "I'm the great Bambino." And I'm like, huh? And he's like, I'm the great Bambino. Uh, you know, Scotty and Benny walk up. And Benny's, or Scotty's like, Smalls is like, hey, I don't know who the fuck that is. And like, you know, they all like jaw dropped because they're all like super like baseball kids and shit. Scotty's never played a fucking sport in his life. It was a nerd. Yeah. So then they start like listing off of all the babes' nicknames, like the Sultan of SWAT. The King of Crash, all this other stuff. The Colossus of Clout. And Scotty's like, oh, he fakes it. He's like, oh, you know, yeah, I do know what you're talking about. I thought you guys were talking about the great Bambi. The great Bambi. 
But <laughs> anyways, yeah, that's Scotty's introduction into the Sandlot crew. Then Benny teaches them how to catch the ball and how to throw the ball. And they're like, oh, look, now we got a team. Now we can play. And, you know, that's basically how it all starts. It, but the funny thing is, he's skipping out. Like, when when Benny introduced uh, Smalls to everyone, everyone was spitting, spit. Hey, I'm this. Hey, I'm this. Spit. Yeah, well, you know, they grew up watching baseball where baseball players were fucking spitting constantly. So, that was like their thing. But, you know, the one thing that has always been weird for me is that, like, the whole movie, they make it seem like it's going to be all centered around baseball. Like, even the poster, the original theatrical poster, is a baseball bat. But there's not actually that much baseball playing in the movie itself. I was just probably like, there's probably like 30 minutes of the entire movie that's baseball. And that's like different scenes of it because the only thing I could really think of is like, we got the baseball scene with ha- with Porter when he knocks the ball over the fence and they all start throwing their gloves at him because they realize they can't play anymore. And then Scotty's like, oh yeah, you know, I'll go get the ball for you guys. No problem. And that's what leads them into telling Scotty the legend of the beast, which I also have that too. I wrote that down for you guys. I tell you the legend of the beast, as told by Squints himself. This is this is all Squints speaking right here, okay? This is not me. This is exactly what Squints said. Basically, all right, I'm just going to go ahead and read it like I'm reading a play. The legend of the beast goes back a long time, before any of us could even pick up a baseball. Back to a place called Myrtle's Acres. It all started about mm, 20 years ago. When thieves kept stealing junk from Myrtle's Acres junkyard. So Mr. Myrtle, the guy that used to own the place, got him this new pup from the dog pound. He fed him whole side the beef and turned the bu- the pup loose in the junkyard. And the pup was grateful. So in a few weeks, the pup grew into the beast. And he grew big. And he grew mean. So that he could protect the junkyard with only one thing on his mind. To kill everyone that broke in. And he did. And he liked it a lot. The beast was the most perfect junkyard dog that ever lived. A true killing machine. But after a while, the cops started getting phone calls from people reporting all the missing thieves. The ones the beast had killed. It added up to about 173 guys. It's true. They never found a single body. Not one. Some people say they all got away, but we all know what really happened. The beast ate them. He ate them bone and all. (laughs) The beast was too good at his guard dog job, so the police said he had to be retired. My grandpa, Squidman Pelodorus, which, side note, it's a fucking sick name for anybody ever. Squidman? That's a badass name. Was police chief back then. He ordered Mr. Myrtle to turn his backyard into a fortress and chain up the beast and put him under the house where he could never get out to eat children and stuff. That's where he's been for years, and that's where he'll be for the rest of his life. Because when Mr. Myrtle asked the cops how long he had to keep the beast chained up like a slave, they said, until forever. Forever. So... Yeah, that's the legend of the beast, man. Big old dog, ate some kids, maybe, probably not. 
But you know how legends go, man. When you're a kid, everybody everybody who's grown up anywhere has a legend of their neighborhood. Drew, you ever had any legends in your neighborhood when you were growing up? Not really. Except for my dog, Buddy. Yeah, well, that's because your dog was fucking evil. No, everybody dog, knew it. My dog was awesome. He your dog was... fucking bit me. Because <laughs> you deserved it. I didn't even do anything. Yeah, because you sent the evil. I was like... just sitting there. Yeah, he probably give you a love bite. Yeah, okay, it was a love bite, all right. But I know when I was growing up, not on the 87th days, on the 91st days, I remember, because my cousins, uh, BMK, we talked about before, he used to live like three houses down from us. And I remember there was a lady right next door to me that like the legend, or no, it was like right in the middle of both of us. There was like a legend that like she was like, like super mean and like, that if you ever went in her her backyard, you'd go missing and shit. Like, her backyard used to be filled with, like, old, like, people's toys and shit that fell over the fence and we were never able to get them back. I remember one time my brother sent me over to get a skateboard that he accidentally threw over there. And I was, I've legit never been more terrified in my entire life. I thought I was going to die. I wish I could remember what the lady's name was. He was like... Miss McDonald or something like that, maybe? I don't know. It was something like that. Miss McDonald. But yeah. That was a legend when I was growing up. There's a couple legends around 91st when I was growing up. There was also the one-armed bagger. That was a that was a pretty, you know, talked about legend. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. <coughs> Hold on. Don't die over there. <coughs> BRB. Yo, um, we're talking about legends. How about the legends of uh of the uh, Frankenstein's castle or Snipes? Snipes. Oh, you're talking about fucking Stonehaven? Yeah. I can't believe I fell for that for so long. You guys had me legit terrified. You guys are dicks. Thank what you. was the legend behind Frankenstein's castle again? I think that like it would come up out of the ground, it would like unearth out of the ground in like the winter or some shit, right? Wasn't that the yeah. legend? Yeah, yeah, it was fucking weird. But yeah, that was another legend when I was growing up on ninety first. The one armed bagger. That there was this guy. He was a homeless guy. He had one arm. He used to walk around with grocery bags all the time, and people used to say that he ate kids. So, you know, that was fun. Never any beast dogs though. I feel like if I were growing up in a neighborhood that had a beast dog, I feel like my neighbor, my childhood in 91st would have been a lot cooler than it actually was. Or scared. But, hey man, whatever. But yeah, that's basically, that's the legend of the beast, you know. And, you know, they tell Scotty that's why, that's why you can't go over the fence. That's why, you know, no one's ever seen him. No, and then, oh yeah, then Hamilton, Ham Porter tells him that you know, one kid did go over there one time. No one ever saw him again because it got eaten. You know, just basic childhood legend stuff, you know, scaring the shit out of each other. And then, uh, so yeah, you know, we hear about the, the legend of the beast, all that good stuff. And then we finally get some baseball again. Well, first we get... I think 4th of July, I believe. Or maybe... Uh, it's got to be the 4th of July, I'm pretty sure. They show them, like, going to the... They all meet... Going up to meet up the Sandlot for a baseball game on the 4th of July using the fireworks as lights. 
Because the sand lot was literally just an old back lot that had no lightning at all. So, you know, if Benny wanted to play, they were going to play because out of all of them, Benny was the only one that ever really took baseball seriously. You know what I mean? Like, that was his ticket out of the sand lot, basically. But yeah, they, I remember there was like, in the movie, you know, it pans like a picnic. Like, they're having a picnic up and down the street because it's like a little suburb, you know what I mean? So everybody's probably friends and shit, you know. There's people out there cooking. And uh, so, yeah, they're running. They're all running to meet up at the Sandlot to play to play some ball, night ball. And of course, here comes big-ass Hamilton Porter barreling out of his house, grab stopping at every single vendor to grab a hot dog, a hammer, and grab some food. Hold on, Benny. I'll be there. I'm catching up, guys. But, yeah, it was a good time. And then, uh, you know, during the voiceover, you know, it's talking about you know, the pickle that Smalls gets them all into and how it started with an omen. And that omen is the night of, well, not the night of, but in the movie it transitions from like that night, that 4th of July night of them playing into the next day. And in that transition, it shows Benny hit a ball. And when the ball finally lands, he busted the guts out. Like he busted the ball completely open. And they, like, say that, you know, busting the guts out of a ball is, is, uh, uh, good luck or whatever. Yeah. Or wait, hold on. I feel like I'm missing a part because there is a part in here where they go to the pool. And I think this might have been before the 4th of July thing. Yeah, it was. You're right. It was. My bad, guys. My bad. Even though I literally just watched the movie before I came here. But I forgot. But, yeah, anyway, yeah, well, yeah, after they, after Porter... Knocks the ball over the fence. After the whole sleep out thing where they talk, they show, they tell him about the, they tell Smalls about the beast. Then, Squints and Yeah Yeah go to Vincent's drugstore to buy a baseball. And that's when Squints runs into Wendy Peppercorn and his fucking jaw drops. He gets a little boner in his pants. <laughs> yeah, like, Which yeah. is like, it's very strange to me. They're like, they set it up like that. Because you know it's supposed to be like, you know. Like Squints is in love with Wendy in that moment, you know what I mean? But they're all like fifth graders, so like, were kids getting boners in fifth grade or? Yeah, I was, really? I was loving mummy that fifth grade. Oh my god, Drew! I could have you could have worded that literally any other way. Okay, well, anyways, yeah, that's when we see Wendy Peppercorn, and. uh yeah, yeah, basically has to drag Squints back to the baseball diamond. Which I relate to Squints a lot in that moment because I was the exact same way when I was a kid. I was obsessed with girls, you know. That's all I ever wanted to do was look at girls. I would never actually talk to them. I would just talk about how, you know, I was in love with them. I still do it now. Yeah, it gets annoying sometimes. Shut the fuck up, Drew. <laughs> but, yeah, then we get back to the back there. And, uh, you know, then we find the guys start talking about how it's too fucking hot to play. Porter gets up and he says, I'm I'm roasting like a toasted cheeser out here. It's too hot to play, Benny. And there's a, there's a really funny part in this scene because they say this pop isn't helping. And, you know, pop has been known to not help at all in hot weather. Like pop makes you more thirsty because it dehydrates you. Yeah. Which I always thought was hilarious. Because, like, back then, I mean, you know what I mean? It's set in the 60s, so they probably didn't even know, you know what I mean? 
Or if they did know, it wasn't like, it wasn't hugely known back then that pop was like that bad for you, you know what I mean? So it's just funny that they're sitting here chugging these things of pop, thinking it's going to help, and it's just making shit worse. But it's funny that they have this scene set up like that where it's like, it's too hot to play baseball. Because uh, actually one of the things that happened while they were filming is the one day it got up to like 100 degrees, I think, because they shot the movie in Utah, in Salt Lake City, Utah. So I think one day it got up to like 100 degrees, and it got so hot that Tom Guyry, who plays Scotty Smalls, literally passed out and fell into a cameraman because he had he got heat stroke one day on set. Yeah, man. Yeah. And then, uh, funny would it be, because, you know, they had a lot of hot days while filming because, you know, like I said, it's Utah. So they had a ton of hot days while filming. And then, of course, just shitty luck. The day that they chose, the day that they filmed the pool scene, it was actually ridiculously cold. <laughs> like, it was actually super cold. That's why That's why in the movie scene, when you see squints, why you like, fucking shivering and shit, that's because the water is freezing cold. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, props to those kids, man, for pulling it off, because I'm, I'm cold, I'm going, I'm going away. I can't do nothing in the cold. No, no, no thank you. Yeah, um... Yeah, the swimming scene. It was like he was telling he was telling the boys like, yeah, yeah. I've been doing this. I've been re- I've been prepping this for my whole adult life. Motherfucker, you're only like ten, twelve years old. You're prepping this moment. Well, no, he's while they're all in the pool. Then you know the voiceover comes back, and we hear about how Benny would have played football, would have played baseball every single day if possible. And the only time he wouldn't play baseball is if they were going to the pool. And, you know, they would talk about how they wanted to go see pool honeys, but none of them would actually ever have the guts to talk to them. So they would, you know, it's like basic group of kids, man. You know, there's always, when you're that young, you're always like that. You and your friends are always like, oh, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the mall and mack on some chicks. And we get to the mall nine times out of ten, nobody's talking to a single girl. Or most of the time, if we try to do it now, these girls like this on their phones. Pretty much. But, oh, how you doing? I got a boyfriend. Yeah, Drew, that's probably because 30-year-old dudes don't pick up girls at the mall anymore. It's weird. Shut the fuck up. Exactly. But anyways, that's when they see, you know, Wendy Peppercorn. And then Squints talks about how he's been coming there every summer for his adult life. And then every summer she sits up there and she's always lotioning and oiling and lotioning and oiling. And then he says, I can't take it anymore. So he gets go, he goes to get out of the pool, and all the guys are like, "Oh, what happened to him?" And they're like, "Oh, you know, maybe he's been he's been taking it for too long. He just couldn't take it anymore, and he snapped." Well, that's when Squints actually puts together. That's when he actually you know puts in the, into motion his master plan, and that master plan is he's going to jump off the diving board into the deep end, but Squints can't swim, so he does it. Wendy saves him, pulls him out of the pool. He's not breathing, or at least we think he's not breathing. Uh, she starts giving him mouth to mouth. All his boys are there, you know. They're all worried. They're freaking out. They're like, oh, Squints, what the hell, man? What the hell? Uh, Tommy's like, oh, he looks really crappy, man. Bertram says he looks like a dead fish. And then we see the camera pan over top of Squints. And we see Squints open his little fucking eyes. But she has grit. And he's got a shit-eating grin on his face. And they're all like, what the hell? What? 
what the? And then Wendy goes back. She's like checking his chest for a heartbeat. And he closes his eyes again. And she comes, goes to give him mouth to mouth. And he fucking grabs her head and he kisses her. Start making out her. And of course, you know, she didn't like that very much. So she throws him out of the pool. They get a life. They get a ban for life from ever coming to the pool again. And then when they're on their way out, when they're getting cha- they're getting their clothes back on. Porter Hamilton Porter asks him if he's been planning that, and he said, "Of course I have. Been planning it for years." So you know, it's a it's a good. I mean, the flicks. I mean, I don't want to sit here and like give you a full blown description of like every scene of the movie. But, I mean, there's, like, so much good shit to talk. There's so many good parts of the movie. There's so much shit to talk about with this movie. Yeah. Drew, you got a favorite scene the yeah. whole movie? Yeah, I got my favorite scene. Uh, the carnival scene. Oh, and they all do chewing tobacco? He's like, hey, um. He's like, I- oh, shit, I forgot. What? What? Chaw. Chaw. The good stuff. <laughs> like, of course, Ham, of course, Ham's like. He's like, of course, like, like, uh, but bigger guys. He's like, I'm gonna fuck. I'm big. I'm just gonna show out. He's like, hey, honeys. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, it's funny. That's the second time in the movie that we get "You're Killing Me, Smalls," because he says the first in the treehouse when they tell him about the legend of the beast when he's asking him if, when Hamilton Porter's like, hey, you want a s'more? And Scott and Smalls is like, s'more of what? And he's like, no, you want a s'more? And he's like, I haven't had anything yet. How can I have some more of nothing? And then he said, "You're killing me, Smalls." Yo, he. I think he said, "Killing me, Smalls," at least three times in that movie. Probably. The but first- then he says it again at the carnival, because Smalls asks what the chewing tobacco is, and he's like, "You're killing me, Smalls. It's chewy tobacco." He's like, "Yeah, man. All the big guy, all the big leagues do it." So these guys, you know, thinking they're all big and tough, they do it. Then they go on one of them rides, and. They fucking puke all for everyone because they're fucking fifth graders and they can't be doing chewing tobacco. But that's your favorite wonder. Yeah, my other favorite one was um, where the uh, where the boys that actually play baseball cut through the yard and oh, the you mean the greatest fucking roast, roast session. session ever? It's one of my favorite roast sessions in cinematic history, right there, dude. <clears throat> I like it especially when he's like near the end of it when he's like uh when that dude Phillips the which I, what I call the rich baseball kids I call that's what I call him he uh he says uh you bob for apples in the toilet and you like it and Hamilton Porter's like you play ball like a girl literally shocked everyone Phillips is like what what did you say to me and that's when they decide that they're going to face off. And he says, tomorrow, noon, our place. Be there, Buffalo butt breath. And Hamilton's like, uh, count on it, pee-drinking crap face. <laughs> and then the Sandlot crew goes and they put a fucking whooping on him. Uh, I don't know what my favorite scene is, to be honest. I got a couple favorite scenes. I like... uh I don't know. It's gonna take me a second. Drew, talk about something. It's gonna take me a second to think of one of my favorite scenes. Yo, um, yeah, they were killing them in the in that game. 
And and Hamilton was still talking that shit on play. He's like, man, you swing like a girl. Oh yeah, he asked that Phillips dude. He said, he said, uh, he said, hey, is that your sister out there in left field? Is she naked? She's naked. <laughs> and then Phillips is like, shut up, Porter. And he's like, hey, hey, man, I'm just making some friendly conversation. You think your sister'd go out with me? Yeah, Hamilton. Hamilton Porter's the kind of friend you need in your life, man. He was talking all that shit still. You can probably back it up too. But uh, if I had to, I don't know. I mean, I pretty much loved the entire movie from start to finish. But if I had to pick like a favorite scene, which is going to be weird for a lot of people, uh, I'd probably say I really like the ending. Like, not like the main ending, but like. When it shows, like, near the end when it, the voiceover starts telling you about, like, what happened to everybody and where they ended up. One of my favorite lines ever spoken in a movie is when small when the voiceover, Smalls is like, I was the last one to move away. And when I did, the Sandlot was still there. It's one of my favorite lines ever. I, I, I've quoted that line many times when talking about 87. I tell people all the time, I was one of the last ones to move away, and when I did... 87th was still there. Because, you know, I mean, the Sandlot itself is like, <laughs> you know, it's it's just a place, you know what I mean? And it, they could get rid of it. It could be nothing. But to them, that spot is always going to mean something. You know, that's I mean? going to that's gonna signal the best years of their lives right there, spent on that field. Oh, definitely, for sure. Or that, you know, that dirt diamond. So, I mean... I feel like that ending, when he says that, I feel like that is like what break that wraps the whole movie together. Like, you get to that ending, and you're like, okay, now I realize what I've been watching this entire time. It was, it was a movie that was set up that was portrayed as a baseball movie, but what it was actually about was just you know the friends you make when you're a kid. That's basically what the movie was always about. Which is, I always thought was super cool because that's what 87th meant to me. As you know, we were just a bunch of rowdy-ass kids who had no business being out there together all the time. Yep. And we were out there every single day, man. It never failed either. I'm not kidding. We were out there literally every single day. They'd cut, They'd get out of school. I got out of school before them because they were, you know, Henry and them were all in middle school. I was just, I was like a freshman in high school. So I would get home from school. I would change. Henry and all his friends would come home. They would literally walk from LaSalle Middle School. They would, they all went to LaSalle. They would literally, they'd get out of school, they'd walk right to fucking Henry's house. And we'd all meet up. And I'd already be there. I'd literally be there sitting on Henry's porch while he was walking home from school. I'd already be there, just hanging out. <laughs> he'd come home, he'd run right to his house, change, grab his stereo, bring it out, put it on the porch, and then we would just sit there. From sun up till sun, well, not, you know what I mean. From like, the minute they got home to like, the end of the night, pretty much, we'd all be out there every night. It never failed. You know, 87th is where I met Henry, who became the best friend. You know what I mean? He became my best friend. You know, I, I had my heart broken on that street. I broke a couple hearts on that street. Mm-hmm. I lost my V-card on that street. Well, not specifically on that street, but I was living on that street when I lost my V-card. <clears throat> you know that? Now when I walk by... Even when I think of 87th, man, I'm flooded with memories. And that's kind of like what the Sandlot meant for me. It's like that place. Everybody has that place. 
that they think about it, they think about the best years of their lives. Everybody's got something like that. I don't care. People could try and tell you they don't, but everybody's got one. Everybody's got a place like that. Even if it's just somebody's house, everybody's got something like that. And that's what made the Sandlot so special to me, is that it, like, I don't know, it, like, stood for something in a way, I guess. Yo, how are we, how are we skipping out the main part, the best part of the whole damn movie? I didn't say I was done talking about the movie. I was just talking about what the movie meant to me, Drew. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> We're not even close to being done yet. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Go ahead, since you're in such a rush. I'm not in a rush. Go ahead. Yeah. I think the best, I think my favorite part, the best part of the whole movie is when they finally get the ball back from the beast. Oh, you mean after Benny pickles the beast? Yeah. And then he fucking takes off running. The beast chases him literally all throughout town. <laughs> and that's why he becomes forever known as Benny the Jet Rodriguez. What's funny is to me is like, after all that shit happens, you know, they get, they, well, they come up, they try to come up with all these ways to get the ball back. You know, they try, uh, Smallest puts together every tinker set he's got. To try and fashion this thing to get the ball back doesn't work. They try to get it back with a stick underneath the fence doesn't work. Uh, they send yeah yeah over the fence on a core on like a pulley system, that doesn't work. And yeah yeah shits his pants. Uh, they almost blow up their treehouse when they put like together the tinker set because the beast like clamps their hose, which one of the other things is like. That I always liked about the movie, like around those parts too, is like anytime you see the beast before, like he actually comes over the fence. Anytime you see him before that, they always show him as like this giant, like they always show like the giant puppet thing. And like I always thought it was funny because they're like they're showing you what the kids see him as, when in reality he was actually just a regular ass dog. So like these kids have heard this legend so much that like whenever they seen this dog, it looked like a fucking massive dog. But it was actually just a little bull mastiff. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was sick. I mean, they they put together all these plans to try and get the do- to get the ball back. None of them work. And then just when they're about to give up, Benny has a dream one night that Babe Ruth comes to his bedroom and, you know, tells him that he has to pickle the beast. And, you know, that's when he that's when he hits him with the line. I was going to save this line to the end, but, you know, it's too good. i got to say it now. That's when the babe hits him with the line. The line that the Sandlot will forever be known for. Remember, kid, there's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Follow your heart, kid, and you'll never go wrong. And, you know, Benny uses that as a way to, you know, it's time for him to face the fear and he's got to be, he's got to be the hero. And when he, he wakes up the next day, he goes and tells Smalls, hey, get everybody, meet me at the Sandlot in 20 minutes. I got an idea. They all pull up to the Sandlot. They're waiting for Benny. Benny comes strolling up with a box in his hand and tells him that he had a dream and that he's going to jump over the fence and he's going to get the ball back. But to do it, he needs to pull out the special weapons. Shoes guaranteed to make a kid run faster and jump higher. PF Flyers. All black pair of PF Flyers. 
which I have a pair of PF flyers in my house. I put them on one time and never wore them again. A couple times. No, I only put them on twice. I never wore them again. Yo, yo, tell everyone about that, about your PF flyers situation. What do you mean? You know, Twitter. What? About Twitter. What is Twitter? You mean Twitter? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I, I have this like... It's not, like, huge. It's just, like, a little bit of a tribute to Sandlot in my room. I got, like, a shelf, and I got my PF flyers on there. And then above it, I got a little sign that says Sandlot Drive. And then underneath, I have playing cards from all the characters in the movie that came with one of the 20—I think it was the 25th anniversary edition that I bought on Blu-ray. It came with that. So I put all that stuff up. I posted the photo on Twitter. I tagged a bunch of the cast, not thinking anything of it. I didn't think anything was going to happen. I was just like, you know, maybe on a whim, somebody will see it. Literally, not even 20 minutes later, boom, director of the movie retweets me. says, hey, great display. Thanks for being a fan. And I'm like, okay, this is fucking awesome. Like, this is the greatest moment of my life. Cool. No biggie. Then, fucking Chauncey Laparty, a.k.a. Squints. Retweets my thing and says sick wall So I'm like okay man this is I mean I'm downplaying it a lot Like if my cousin Kathleen was here she would tell you that I literally was going nuts Because she was living with me at the time And I ran in and out of her room like a hundred times I was so fucking hyped It was like the greatest one of my life Then uh Uh Tommy Tommy repeat Uh he talked to me he met, He talked to me a couple times uh, I said something about great display. Uh, thank you for being a fan. We appreciate it. And then I said, uh, I was like, oh, Tommy, repeat. This is the greatest day of my life, man. Thank you. I said, I always grew up wishing that I could be a part of the Sandlot crew because you guys are so awesome. And that's when he hit me with something that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And it's going to be shaved on my fucking gravestone when I die. He said, in some ways, you absolutely were. Thank you. So from here on out, if anybody ever asks, I'm going to tell them that Tommy Repeat basically told me I'm part of the Sandlot crew. Nobody could ever tell me differently. I was fucking part of it. It's canon now. I was part of the Sandlot crew. He said it. It's the greatest one of my life. I legit not. I'm not kidding you guys. I legit cried. I was so excited. I called my mom. I was freaking out. It was so awesome. Yeah, it was badass, dude. But, yeah, you know, Benny... Like I was saying, Benny puts on the PF flyers, jumps over the fence, then he's face-to-face with the Beast. And this is the first time in the whole movie where we actually see the Beast as just the regular dog, like he actually is. And he's just sitting there, you know, the Beast walks out, opens his mouth, boom, here comes the Babe Ruth ball, sliding out of his mouth, falls on the ground, rolls in front of him. So it's about almost at the halfway point between the Beast and Benny, the ball is. And, you know, they had the little epic stare down and them looking at each other. And then Benny takes off. And you hear the little whip sound. It's like, he takes off running. Fucking slides on the ground, grabs the ball. Literally, the beast almost just got his ass, man. He gets up, literally jumps, leaps over the fence, drops the ball. They're all cheering him on, you know. The, the, the whole crew's hyped. And then... They fucking hear something, and they're like, what the hell is that? It's the beast. And that motherfucker comes flying over the fence. 
And he's like, holy shit. He starts taking off. Beast starts chasing him. Then we go through this whole montage of Benny running away, the Beast chasing Benny, and then the kids, the rest of the crew, chasing the Beast and Benny. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. They, 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 you know, overplay it like it's some fucking big scary dog. But, you know, it's pretty cool. I mean, and then after running around all around town, then, you know, they get to a fair, a local fair. The kids go running through there. They knock over a giant fucking cake. It falls on top of the two bakers. Hamilton slides back, takes a little lick of the cake, then fucking takes off running because he's a fat little shit. Then they get back to the sandlot. And the beast... Fucking rips off the back. He tears into the back of Benny's uh, shirt. Rips off the back of Jenny Benny's shirt. Benny fucking hikes it over the fucking. I wonder if they had, they had to have like a trampoline or something on the other side for him to jump over the fence that good. You know what I mean? It had to be right. Because yeah, I mean that motherfucker leaped over that fence. Unless the fence just isn't really that big and there's just movie magic. Who knows? I don't know. But anyways. He jumps over the fence. Then the fucking beast is like, listen, man, I'm too fat and tired to jump over this fence again. I'm going to jump through this bitch. So he fucking piles just right through it, man. <laughs> We're sitting there thinking Benny's about to die. And then the fence comes crashing down on top of the beast. I mean, he lets out this, like, squeal. He's like, Arr! And, man, I'm going to tell you guys, when I first watched the movie, I fucking cried. I thought the beast was dead. And I'm like, man, maybe he just needed some love. Okay, maybe he wasn't a bad dog. Like, what the fuck, Benny? Then the dust settles. We see the beast there trapped under the fence. And, uh, you know, Smalls, being the kid that he is, the good kid, he goes over and he's like, no, fuck that, man. We got to save this dog. So he's sitting there. He's trying to lift the fence off me. He's like, Benny, help me, man. Help me. Finally, Benny goes over, helps him. They get the beast free. And then they turn around. And Beast is literally right in Small's face. Small's is like, oh, fuck, man. Maybe I should just let this fucking dog die. Now I'm going to die. I'm never going to see a pair of titties ever in my entire life, dude. I'm never going to touch a boob. I'm never going to smack a butt in my whole life. This dog's about to eat me. Then the dog starts licking him. Just loving him, dude. And it's sick, dude. Then all the other guys start coming over because they realize the Beast, you know, isn't actually a Beast. He's just a dog. And then the beast, like, t- he, like, takes him over farther into the backyard and ends up showing him what. They ends up having, like, 100 balls back there. He has, like, 100 baseballs back there from over the years. The guys are like, oh, shit, now we could play forever. And uh, they're all hyped. I think the best part is when uh, when the old man comes out and talks to you, he's like, you guys can always come out and knock on my door. No, they go and knock on the door. To tell Mr. Myrtle his dog got loose and that they messed with the fence. And, you know, Mr. Myrtle's like, oh, he's like, if you wanted the ball back, you could have just came and knocked on the door. I would have given it to you. So everybody starts yelling at Squints because Squints said you couldn't go. That Mr. Myrtle was some crazy old man. Yo, that's definitely you for sure. And he'd never go for it, so. But, yeah, and then he like, he's like, hey, why don't you guys come in and we'll, we'll talk a little baseball with me. And they start talking, you know, Smalls tells them about what happens. And then we get one of the probably the best reveal of the whole movie. Mr. Myrtle 
used to play professional baseball. Not only did he play professional baseball, he was Babe Ruth's teammate back in the day. What the fuck? Yeah, and he ended up getting hit. He ended up getting clocked in the face by a fastball, and it blinded him. It left him blind. So he was never able to play again, but he knew who Babe Ruth was. And when Smalls told him about the ball, you know, Mr. Murrow was like, oh, you're, you're fucking dead where you stand, bro. Like, that's, that ball's worth more than your life. That ball that you swiped from your stepdaddy, the Babe Ruth ball, he swiped from him. That got knocked over the fence. The one that they were trying to uh, get back the whole, the whole movie. So then they end up talking. And Mr. Murrow's like, hey, I got, I got a deal for you. Why don't you leave this Babe Ruth ball with me? And I'll give you this ball instead. And it's signed by like all these players, like the Yankees, right? I think. Yeah, it was the Yankees. Yeah, it's signed by all the fucking Yankees team, the team that Babe Ruth was on. It's signed by all those guys. It's just fucking small. It's like, oh, fuck yeah, wait, man, um, why not? Wait, uh, yeah, I'm going to go side off this side quest off the side lot, but it's based on the same lot. Babe Ruth, he was originally a Boston Red Sox. And that's when that curse in Boston happened for over a hundred years because of Babe Ruth. Yeah, your your dad should know about that. Curse. I know he knows. Trust me. Why do you think he hates it? I love the Sandlot so much. No, <laughs> <laughs> your dad's old fashioned. You know he doesn't know what pop culture is. And uh, he knows pop culture, just not our pop culture. He's like back in my day. He's shaking his he's cane in the air. Yeah. Back in my day, we used to respect our elders. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, you know. So Mr. Murrow's like, oh, you know, you leave the ball with me. You leave the Babe Ruth ball with me. I'll give you this other ball. And, uh, you know, why don't you, you guys come over every once in a while. Let Hercules out. That's the dog. That's ends up being the beast's name, Hercules. And then, uh, you know, he's like, why don't you guys let Hercules out every once in a while? He's like, and then you come here and you talk baseball with me. So they're all like, you know. That sounds like a good deal to us. So, and, you know, we have, like, this little montage of, like, Smalls giving his stepdad the new ball, which he ends up loving, but still ends up grounding Smalls for pretty much the rest of his life for losing his Babe Ruth ball. <laughs> and then if we flash back to the kids at the at the, dime, at the Sandlot, you know, then we see Hercules there off to the side with a fucking little jersey on. It says Hercules on it. And that's when, you know, we find out what happened with everybody else. And I got that for you, too. Hold on. Yeah, yeah was it um, was it Squints finally got his dream girl? Yeah, basically, the end of the movie, uh, you know, we hear the voiceover again, and it tells you, it tells you, like, a little idea of, like, what happened to everybody, and it tells you that. You know, a lot of them kept in touch over the years. And last time Smalls heard, uh, yeah, yeah, was sent to military school. Oh, my God. And afterwards, he became one of the pioneering developers of bungee jumping. All because of what he had to go through to try and get the ball back when they sent him over the fence. It made him an adrenaline junkie. Uh, Bertram. (laughs) This is one of my favorite movies. This is one of my favorite character send-offs of any movie character ever. Bertram got really into the 60s and nobody ever saw him again, which is fucking hilarious. Uh, 
Timmy became an architect and Tommy a contractor, and together they invented the mini-mall, becoming multi-millionaires as a result. Squints married Wendy Peppercorn, and they had nine children together. God bless America. And they bought Vincent's Drugstore, which they still own today. Then we got Hamilton Porter, who became a professional wrestler known as the Great Hambino. And uh, didn't you know what? Wait, interesting fact, y'all. That's uh, Sean's uh, tagger name. Oh, that's my Xbox tagger name, Mister Great Hambino. Like I was like, I'm wondering why the hell you name yourself. Oh, because I love the fuck shit out. You gotta get re- reality, Drew. You're fucking up. Wait, that's something else that told me I'm fucking up. Shut the fuck up. Oh, two shut the fuck up. Can I finish, please? Yeah, you always cut me off. The Nunez. Played triple-A baseball for a while, but never got into the major leagues. But he settled on owning a business and coaching a little league team called the Little Heaters that his sons play for. The Beast went on to live for 199 years in dog years. And then as the movie ends, uh, you know, wait, uh, Benny's exploit with the Beast earned him the name of Benny the Jet Rodriguez. And he was known by that name for the rest of his life. And he went on to play for the L.I. Dodgers. Smalls became a sports commentator. Which we see at the end of the movie because it shows him covering the game against San Fran Giants. In which Benny successfully steals home. And then, uh, you know, as the movie ends, we hear that Smalls was the last one to move away. And when he did, the Sandlot was still there. But interesting thing that not a lot of people know about, because a lot of people just, you know, don't stay there or don't, you know, finish out the whole movie. At the end, the very end credits, there is a scene. And that scene is somebody pulling. Because when Benny puts the PF Flyers on, he ties his old shoes together and he throws them up onto the line, onto the power line. And the end credit scene shows someone pulling down Benny's shoes. So, I mean, I th- I think they always try to set it up for a sequel. Ah, I tried to look of why the original cast didn't come back for the sequels, but I couldn't really find anything. So I think maybe they wanted, they originally planned for him to come back, and maybe they just chose not to. Or maybe something else was happening that stopped them from being able to come back. So, you know. Yeah, that's a little rundown of the movie. Now we can talk about, you know, some things. Sorry. Things people might not know. Uh, I got to find this thing. Where is it? Hey, Sean, Sean, him with them quick uh, fun facts about the puke scene from the uh, carnival. Yeah, I'm trying to. If you give me fucking 10 seconds. My phone's fucking up. Oh, here it is. Yeah, I just got a couple movie, a couple things of some stuff that, you know, a lot of people don't know about the movie. Uh, when the movie first came out, it originally was not going to be called The Sandlot. The original title for the movie was The Boys of Summer. But there was a problem with that title that made it uh, impossible to use. Because uh, there was already a book at the time. With the same title, Boys of Summer. <laughs> uh, Hamilton Porter was a last-minute casting decision. He wasn't in the original script. 
And it was because when Patrick Renner came in to audition for a character and he ended up not getting the part, David Mickey Evans liked him so much that he wrote a new part for him. And also, the movie is semi-autobiographical. Autobiographical. Semi. It's loosely based on David Mickey Evans' real childhood growing up with his Sandlot friends. And his his little brother who wanted to become part of the Sandlot crew. And uh, it actually is... One of the, the characters, Squints, who's based on a real person from his real life, that guy tried to sue the movie, like the movie company. He tried to sue them for defamation because they said that he, like, they fucked with this character. Obviously, he fucking lost, but... But, uh... Oh, yeah. When they casted uh, Hamilton for a new part when they casted Patrick Renner for that new part uh, everybody was getting ready to leave for Utah uh, he said at the last minute David Mickey Evans had Patrick Renner in for an interview and he told them you're in and you've got to ma- and you've got to make a plane kid so it's a good thing he ended up fucking making it because the movie wouldn't have been the same without Hamilton Porter man oh definitely not with those roles those you're killing me, Smalls. Oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, Like I was saying earlier about the water, the pool scene. Uh, there was an overcast outside, and the water was 56 degrees. What the fuck, man? My phone's not loading now. What the fuck? Oh, there it goes. Uh, when it came to the kissing scene, they had the uh, director had to, uh, they had to, he was super excited. Chauncey Party was super excited for a kissing scene. But they had to they had to give him specific instructions for it. Because he became ecstatic when he found out they were actually gonna have like a real kiss. But he told them, he said, You keep your tongue in your mouth, you understand? <laughs> and then uh Wendy Peppercorn was based on an actual lifeguard. From the director's childhood, but her the director's childhood lifeguard's name was Bunny, who was super hot and everybody had a crush on. Uh, everything, the whole Sandlot set was all man-made, which is pretty sick. Sorry, I'm fucking tired. My back hurts. I'm carrying all these good looks. I'm trying to find some other stuff. Wait, I got, I got, I got some. Well, then, what the fuck are you sitting there silent for? I don't know. Um, it was a quick shoot. It the movie took four two days to make. The the kids were supposed to be much younger. Uh, the famous insult scene was mostly unscripted. Oh my god! So that's pretty cool. They're kind of just going off the fly. The uh, chewing tobacco was made out of licorice and bacon, bacon bits. Yeah, I'd fucking throw up too. <laughs> uh, yeah, the real life squint sued 20th Century Fox over the movie. He, uh, I'm trying to find out why. Oh, he didn't like the way he was depicted in the movie. Uh, he said it was an invasion of privacy and exploitation of his likeness. And uh, had he won, 
He could have received damages and even a share of the film's profits. However, the case was dismissed two years later. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, uh, with the uh, chewing tobacco made out of licorice and bacon, they do they do uh, describe the uh, vomit it was a mixture of sp- sp- split peas, soup, baked beans, oatmeal, water, and something else. Yeah, you just did the chaw and the vomit. Uh, Wooly Bully was actually the song that they originally wanted to be playing during the vomit scene before they ended up going with tequila. <laughs> so that would have been, I mean. It, yeah, like some of these fun facts we were talking about, it was dangerous, hot, it was really cold. Uh, Tom Guyry, at the writing of this article, Tom Guyry says he still hears you're killing me, Smalls, at least almost every single day, which I'm sure he will for the rest of his life. I mean, that's just something you're stuck with, unfortunately. It's like Jason Biggs is known as the pie fucker. Yeah. Uh, Tom Guyry also was trying to get it. He's trying to been trying to get his hands on one of the hat, one of the original hats that he played that he wore in the movie that he wasn't able to keep that he's been trying to get. Uh, the Beast was based on a real-life dog from Mickey David Evans' childhood, which attacked his little brother, and he actually, the, the real-life dog actually bit his little brother. <laughs> so I'm sure that's where a lot of the legend comes from. Um, like I said earlier, the beast was played by two English mastiffs and a huge puppet. I have I found pictures of the puppet, and the puppet's fucking wild. Like, it's literally gigantic. It's weird as hell. Yo, know, the uh, the kids were excited to meet Dark Vader. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I would be too. What the fuck? I'd be sick, dude. I'm like, oh my fuck, oh my god, you Dark Vader? Is he? Can you do that four stroke on me? Didn't I now scream, Daddy? When uh, when it came to getting the Beast to kiss Scotty Smalls, they had to put a bunch of uh, baby food on the side of his face to get the dog to lick him because they wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. Uh, Drew said that the kids are supposed to be a lot younger. I talked about Mickey David Evans narrating the film. Mickey David Evans is the man, dude. Uh, the crew shot a nearly a shot, nailed a shot that was nearly impossible, and a shot that was described as ten million to one. Benny the Jet Rodriguez bashes a ball into the outfield where it rolls right in front of the camera lens. The next morning, Squints appears to continue running the same path from darkness to light. So this is what I was talking about with the baseball when, when he busts the guts out of the baseball. So that's pretty cool that they got that one shot. Uh, Benny, older Benny, at the end of the movie when they show Benny on the LA Dodgers, the older version of Benny, that's played by Mike Vitar's actual real-life brother, Pablo Vitar. Which is pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, the boys were stacked. I mean, after filming the movie, all the kids, they all ended up sneaking into an R-rated movie together. <laughs> which was pretty awesome. Pretty Oh, it was Basic Instinct. They stuck in the base to see Basic Instinct. Oh, my God. So, I mean, yet yeah, these, a lot of these guys, they all still stay in touch now, even now, years later. I mean, they're all still, they're all really good friends. 
Uh, Patrick Renna had a podcast for a while. I don't know if he still does, but he had a podcast for a while, and he's had, I think he's had almost everybody from the movie on the podcast. So, I mean, they're all still super good friends, which is cool. Which also makes you, like, want to watch the movie more when you see that. Uh, some of the kids had already had baseball knowledge, you know what I mean? Like, they're already good at baseball, so they had to be coached to look like they weren't that good at baseball. And then, uh, okay, fuck, let's talk about it. The fucking Sandlot sequels. Let's, let's just graze over them real fucking quick. Uh, I think Sandlot 2, I think it came out in 2005. Yeah, Sandlot 3 came out in 7. Yeah, but. But guess who was in the Sandlot 3? Yeah, I know, fucking squints. But hold on, let's just get through Sandlot 2 real quick. Uh, basically, Sandlot 2, it starts with a flashback to 1962 when Benny becomes Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Then the story shifts to 1972, ten years after the Sandlot. Uh, a new crop of five kids now reside in San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles and play baseball at the Sandlot. Johnny Smalls, the little brother of Scotty Smalls, even though we never see Scotty Smalls in the entire movie. He's just referenced. Then, uh, oh yeah, Scotty Smalls, the little brother of Scotty Smalls has heard the legend of the ferocious dog he calls the Great Fear. That is one of the beast's offspring and is owned by Mr. Myrtle who lives behind the sandlot. Uh, then there's David Durango who becomes the leader of the team which consists of Tarquell, Mac, Saul, and his little brother Sammy, referred to as Fingers because he's deaf. Uh, behind the, the Sandlot, the Good Fairer family lives next to Mr. Myrtle. Uh, Haley Gott, Good Fairer, and her two friends Jenny and Penny compete with the boys over sharing the Sandlot when the girls refuse to leave. <sighs> I'm sorry, guys. I just really fucking hate this movie. I think it's terrible. <laughs> but basically, it's the basic the same concept as the Sandlot, except the only big difference is... is it's a new dog. Uh, there's no fence anymore. Now the fence is made out of old appliances, like old washers and shit, which is super fucking weird. And uh, the leader of the group, he's scared of the dog because the dog bit him when he was a kid. So he's terrified of the dog. And this time, instead of knocking a baseball over there, they knock a replica NASA airplane, like NASA, like fucking spaceship over there. They get that stuck over there. So that's what they're fighting for this time. Then, you know, they, the fucking, these three girls are involved, too, and they just, oh, my God. The whole cast is just so unwatchable, dude. Like, none of them have any chemistry. None of them are good to watch. None of them are fun to watch. They all fucking suck. No offense to them, but they just suck. <laughs> the movie's super boring. Mr. Myrtle's back from the first one. He's the only one that's back from the original cast. Uh, Yeah, honestly, that's all I'm going to say about that movie because it fucking sucks, but... It ends basically the same way. They get the thing back. The dog's not that bad anymore. You know, basic same shit. Uh, then Sandlot 3, Heading Home is what it's called. It's released in 2007. Uh, it stars Luke Perry as titular Carrie Ta- Tommy Santa Santarelli, who's a baseball superstar now. Uh, he's knocked unconscious by a wild pitch after being blinded by a mistakenly launched fireworks display. Then Tommy is taken back, taken twenty years, twenty-eight years back, 
only for him to be his future 13-year-old self in 1976 uh where you know he find where he meets up with his old baseball crew again uh made up of his friends 2-ton Ryan Q DP Wings Timber Walk and Roll who all play on the Sandlot baseball team uh, the next day, Tommy tells a story to his teammate Ryan and later protects him from mm, bullies and shit. Mm, uh, like Drew said, Chauncey Laparty reprises his role as Squints in this movie. And uh, I'm pretty sure Mr. Myrtle's back, too. I think they're the only ones from the... Or no, maybe Mr. Myrtle wasn't back. I don't know. I can't remember. Let me check real quick. I'm not sure. I've literally watched this movie once and I never watched it again because it pissed me off. Uh, it doesn't look like Mr. Myrtle is back. No, no, he's, no not. he's not. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Basically, this one, he comes back, you know, and this movie's just about Luke Perry's character, Tommy Santa Santarelli, who goes back in time and he, you know, by being with his friends and shit, he realizes, you know, that it was always about friendship. So when he grows, when he goes back to the future again, He's able to change his life in the past so that his life is different now and he has his friends still and blah, 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 My biggest problem with this movie, which is one of the reasons why I've only watched it once and I'll never watch it again, is because they made one of the cardinal sins and that is they recasted a fucking character from the original, which really pissed me off. Because if you're just if you're gonna have somebody like that in the movie, don't recast him. Just don't put the fucking character in the movie. Just put a different character. But they recasted Benny Rodriguez and had some guy named Danny Nucci come in and play him instead. And he was the Sandlot team's coach and a member of the original Sandlot team. But like that sh- that shit really pissed me off. And it made me even more mad because like Chauncey Party was in it as Squints, and he was talking to. This other dude, as he was like actual Benny, I don't know, it just it didn't sit right with me. It kind of felt like a reboot, but like without actually ever rebooting anything, so it kind of sucked. But yeah, I mean, the two sequels, they're fucking trash. Uh, in 2018, I believe, the director, or no, maybe it was 2019. 2019 when Disney took over Fox? 2018. Yeah, yeah. Well, around that time, Whenever Disney took over Fox, David Mickey Evans, the director of the first one, uh, came out saying that, excuse me, that he plans on making a prequel to the original Sandlot, which is going to be set in, I don't know when, earlier than the fucking Sandlot, I don't know when, but... As soon as Sean found out about it, he was about to burn his trailer down. Yeah, he's about to, he's making a prequel, but... Uh, as far as I know, as far as, you know, beginning of 2021, apparently it's still happening. There's just not much news about it, but apparently it is still in the works. He also announced a TV series on Disney Plus that's going to be set in the 80s. Uh, and apparently the, all of the original cast of the original, of the original Sandlot is going to be back for it. Which, I mean, if he could pull that off, I'm all for it because... 
I love when shit like that happens. You know what I mean? I love when they do movies like that, but they bring back original characters. I fucking love that shit. Man, I hope I hope uh, Porter comes back. Oh, he will come back one hundred percent. If they come, if they do that, I want him to have a mega role session with uh, Pretty Boy. My biggest problem, I think, the biggest problem for them with the movie of like making another one or making a TV series, I think the biggest problem they're gonna have is getting Benny come back because not long after the Mighty Duck series ended. He quit acting. He became a firefighter. I do. And he hasn't acted in years now. Yeah. Yeah, to be a little sad about that, but he's definitely give a round of applause for him because he's putting his life on lives for you people on the L.A. area. And, I mean, it's cool because, like, a lot of them still stay in touch with Benny. Like, they still talk to him every once in a while. But a lot of the interviews and, like, anniversaries they've done for it, he hasn't come back. You know what I mean? He hasn't come back for they like they even made a joke at the last anniversary that like when they get together again for the ne- for like you know like thirtieth anniversary or whatever when they get together for that that uh, they're gonna call it the reunion special looking for Benny where they're all gonna go out and they're gonna try and bring Benny back so I mean if they can pull off a TV series and the original cast comes back I'm all for it I'll watch it I I'd love to see what they're gonna do with it or we, we want to know what happened to what's the name I would love. Yeah, I would love to see what happened to Bertram after he got lost in the 60s. And I mean, I would love to, uh, you know, see what they could pull off. I'd love to see everybody again. I think it's awesome. But, uh, you know, that's the fucking Sandlot, baby. All right. All right. Before we exit out, friend, what is your rating on the Sandlot? Like overall? Overall. Not, no, no, just just first move because we're not talking to the other two movies. Okay. Well, if that was the case, it'd be like a 4.5 or like something. Like 1 out of 10 or like 1 out of 5? You can't go 1 out of 5. That's Hollywood right there. Okay. I'm, I might be a little biased. I'm giving it a 5. I think it's fucking perfect. I'll give it a 4.9. <laughs> You're a fucking dickhead, dude. I hate you. <laughs> hey, it's, a, it's, a one, you so it's like the one by review. Hey, All right, if we're going to do that, then let's just end it. Well, let's just... Do this real quick, then. Uh, the reception of the film after it was released, uh, it had an approval rating of 64% on Rotten Tomatoes at the time of its release, with an average rating of 6.10 out of 10, which I don't agree with at all, but hey, man, whatever. But uh, with the VHS and DVD sales, also, those sales were estimated at about $76,000. But I mean, since. The release, obviously, it's become a cult classic. Everybody knows it. Most people love it. You know, I fucking love it. I bought the 25th anniversary or the 20th anniversary edition on Blu-ray, and then I bought the 25th anniversary on Blu-ray, and I own both of them still. Are you going to buy the 30th Blu-ray? Oh, 100%. 100%. That's how much I love those movies. I mean, I'm sure I'll add it to my 4K collection on Voodoo at some point, eventually, like I did with the Goonies when I watched the Goonies in 4K, and it was fucking beautiful. It was... Are you hinting Goonies in your future? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like I've talked about the Goonies a lot on here, and I don't want to keep doing it. Hey. Like, I feel like if we do, once we do another movie, when I feel like we've got to start to kind of drift away from movies that I have, like, a personal connection to. I feel like we've done that a lot. Especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next one we do, we'll do something. We'll try and do something. We'll try and do something from, like, maybe from, like, the 90s or something, but something that I don't have, like, a deep personal connection to, maybe. I don't know. We'll think of something. We'll think of something good. Philadelphia? What? Oh, I'm just over here just naming movies. Fucking, I hate you, dude. Number, Get hey. out. With that note. Anything else to say to these fuckers? 
Thank you for taking a wild journey with us, losers. No, you fucked it up. Dude, no. You I, fucked it up. I, dude. You fucking ruined it. I didn't ruin it. Yes, you did, dude. No, I didn't. You ruined it. You ruined it. That's not even the line. Dude, I forgot the line already. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me, Drew? Come on, dude. This fuck. You guys see what I got to deal with here, man? Everybody's always like, oh, don't be so hard on Drew. Don't be so fucking hard yeah, on don't Drew. Yeah, don't be hard on Drew. Don't be fucking hard on Drew. Well, that's what I got to deal with. Uh, Let's just get the fuck out of here. What time is it? What's the time? Oh, my God. We actually went long this time. What is it? One hour. Twenty. Three minutes and Holy 30 fuck, seconds. we gotta get out of here. Dude, I'm looking for some Jimmy John's first time of the year. You mean Jim Stakeout, you fucking idiot? Oh, fuck. Jim Stakeout, first time of the year, y'all. All right, guys. I guess that's going to be it from us. We're going to head on out of here. Next week. Uh, next week, we're back with another new episode. This time, it's My the episode. reins are back to Drew, finally. Yep. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of hyped for this one, guys, for the first time ever since we started doing this. I'm actually kind of hyped for a Drew episode. Yeah. But you know. You know us. It's not going to be a perfect episode. You know it's going to (laughs) be super sloppy because that's just how we are. It's how we operate. I heard it a hundred times already from people. Like, oh, your guys' episodes are kind of all over the place. Well, that's who we are as people, so fucking deal with it. At least we went from from being scrambled into a top. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're kind of getting better now. We'll get there, you know. It only gets better over time. And, And plus, if we have, like, another person... Uh, with this here, it might balance off. Yeah, because because me and Sean we 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 do good, but when Mike was here, we like I bounce off Mike, Mike bounce off me, Sean bounces off. Like it was like a bounce uh, rotation. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's we're gonna end it now, and then uh, you know we'll see you guys next week. And as always, losers, thanks for taking this ride with us. <laughs>